Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30 p.m. I want to begin today with a question. A question. I think it's an important question. I think it's a question that if you have not asked it before, I think at some point in your journey you will. What? What does God want from you? What does God want from me? It's not a mystery. I I believe actually God gives us clarity. And today we're going to look at at precisely what it is that I believe God wants from each and every one of us. We are kicking off this new year, 2021, uh, with the kingdom. The kingdom. Jesus taught us to pray. And when he taught us to pray, he taught us three words that are really profound. They're proving profound in these days. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's reign. It's his action, his lordship here in the world. And in in Jesus, we see the king has come. The king has come to the earth, entering into the kingdom. And and that matters, right? That matters because we believe the king is coming back. It's not just that the king came once. He's coming again. And we're promised that when the king returns, thy kingdom come, we are promised in that moment that all will be made new. That's That's what Revelation says, that the king restores the order of the kingdom of God. And so... Thy kingdom come, it matters. But it doesn't just matter because of one moment that's coming. It matters in this moment. It matters because right now the kingdom of God, uh, God desires to enter into the brokenness and the mess of our kingdom. And can we just for a moment acknowledge something that is clear and obvious? Our world is broken. Our world is broken right now, right? You see it. You're experiencing it. Our our government is broken. The systems that many of us put our trust in are broken. People are broken. Families are weary. Anxiety or uncertainty is everywhere. As we ask, what what does a post-pandemic reality even look like? What does the kingdom of God say about that? So far, uh, in in the previous weeks, we've been talking about the importance of the kingdom. It's our filter. It's our alignment that if we are are going to belong to his kingdom, then then last week even we talked about you can't have a kingdom without a king. But this week, this week, I want to lean into that question. What does the kingdom say about the brokenness and disruption around us? What's our part in the kingdom? Yes, what does God want from us, from you? Jesus was asked that question once. Jesus was asked that question once. It was phrased a little bit differently, but it went something like this, a a teacher of the law, an expert in the law. And what that means, what that means in Jesus' day as a Jew is that all of the Old Testament, all the Old Testament uh, commandments and prophets, he was an expert in all of that. And so he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, of all of that stuff, what's the most important commandment? Of everything that was written in the Old Testament, what's the most important thing? And Jesus says, and you might be familiar with his response, right? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And in Mark 
12 specifically, as this teacher responds and really affirms Jesus' answer, Jesus says this, and I don't want to miss what it says here on the screen behind me, verse 34 of Mark 12. Jesus saw that he had answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from that point on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Notice the teacher doesn't say anything about the kingdom of God, but Jesus brings it back to the kingdom, doesn't he? You are not far from the kingdom of God. What was it that made this teacher not far from the kingdom? There's something this teacher knew. He understood that in every kingdom, there's laws, there's guiding principles, there's expectations, there's rules in any kingdom. And what made this teacher not far from the kingdom is I think he understood something about the rules of this kingdom. What you do in this kingdom matters. Listen, listen, it's not what we do that gives us access to the kingdom. We know that. We know that. We have access because of faith. It's because of the king, because of what he's done for us, that we have access to participate in his kingdom. But now that we have access to the kingdom by faith, what you do in response matters. And we shouldn't miss when given the opportunity, Jesus declares emphatically that we should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love, love others. I say all of that to get us to our passage today. We're going to be in Micah chapter 6. Micah chapter 6, you can turn there with me today in your copy of scripture. Uh, if you have your YouVersion Bible app, we set up an event every week there. It's a great resource. Listen, usually, usually we use the New Testament to help us explain the Old Testament. Jesus himself said, I, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to abolish the Old Covenant, but, but to fulfill, to bring life to it. So often what we do is we use the New Testament to help shine light on the truth of the Old Testament. But in this case... In Mark chapter 12, the teacher of law asks specifically about the commandments of the Old Testament. So I, I believe today we can actually use the Old Testament to help us explain the new. There is an Old Testament text here in Micah 6 that can really help us understand what this love that Jesus spoke, the love of the king really looks like. And so we're going to be in, in Micah 6, verse 8, just one verse today. It's really all that we will have the time and bandwidth to cover today. But it says this, Micah 6, verse 8. This is the word of the Lord for us today. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. This is the prophet Micah speaking the word of the Lord to the people. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Remember the question that we start? What does the Lord want from us? To act justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Again, what does the Lord want? What does the Lord require to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? These words were written, these words were declared through the prophet during an extremely turbulent time. Godless leadership everywhere. <laughs> Violence and destruction and confusion. And in the midst of that, the prophet declares emphatically, this is what the Lord, this is what the kingdom, right? God's kingdom is all about. Act justly and love mercy and walk humbly. See, the temptation here, the temptation is to kind of break this down into kind of a checklist of what does the Lord require? Well, it's these three things. We've got to act justly and we've got to love mercy and we've got to walk humbly. And I understand that. But truthfully, 
in order to really understand what this text is saying, in order to truly understand what this means as citizens of the kingdom, we have to see these as not separate ideas, but one thought, one idea, building upon another. And so uh, let's break it down in parts, but in parts building upon one another. Let's first look at this idea to act justly, to act justly. That word justice in Hebrew is the word mishpat, mishpat. And that word mishpat, it's actually fun to say. You should try it later. But uh, I've been practicing all week. My Hebrew mishpat, uh, that word mishpat means what is right, what is just, to act justly means living in such a way that we desire what is just, what is right. Not just for us, but really, more importantly, for others. For others. And this is a challenging topic right now, right? The concept of justice has become polluted and distorted and hijacked. And I know that because even just a few months ago, I spoke in one of my messages and used this example of justice, biblical justice. And I got several questions. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? So, so let's acknowledge right now for a minute that everywhere right now in our world, people feel like they're being treated unjustly. And truly, truly, there are some examples of injustice in our world. But, but people are screaming out right now for justice. For justice, a form of justice that's not always rooted in biblical truth. Sometimes it's our own form of justice, secularism, humanistic justice. Look, look, we all have our understanding of what is fair, what is just. If you are a parent with kids, you understand this. Because how many times as a parent have you heard these words, it's not fair, right? I mean, I was joking earlier. We've had moments in our house where we're like counting Doritos. Here's your 10 and here's your 10, right? Because justice must be served, right? It's okay to acknowledge that we each have our example. But, but today, I don't want to settle for my definition or our own definition of what justice is. I, I want to understand I want to speak about justice from a biblical perspective, biblical justice, the king's perspective. And, well, there's way more to talk about than we have time for today. I think Micah 6.8 really helps us lean into this idea of justice. What does it mean to act justly in the context of his kingdom? First, first, I want you to know emphatically, the Bible speaks repeatedly of this idea of justice. It's not made up. It's important in the kingdom. We can't ignore this idea. It's all throughout the scripture. We can't treat it as believers, as citizens of the kingdom. We can't treat this concept as foreign or optional or conditional for us. And honestly, truthfully, it doesn't, doesn't always matter what we think about it. It matters way more what God declares about it. And so I want us to understand why this topic has become especially challenging for us to understand. So again, what are we doing? We're building on this idea of, of the kingdom, the kingdom, uh, the rules of the kingdom. And to understand that, we have to understand what does it mean to act justly, not just from our perspective, but from God's perspective. And so in order to do that, we have to acknowledge some challenges that we face. There's filters in our lives, aren't there? That, we, we talked about that the first week of this series. I use the example of a sifter. Right? Which I had no idea what that meant in baking. But I have a daughter who loves to bake. So she taught me about sifting. And the truthfully in our lives we have all these sifters that we use. With all the things that we're seeing and experiencing and hearing. And we have sifters. But sometimes our sifters make it especially challenging to understand this concept of justice from a biblical perspective. The problem right now with the political climate. It has become so polarized it makes everything about this idea of justice much harder. 
the polarization plays an important role, that we, and we have to consider that. We can't ignore that. In the same way, in the same way, we have to consider how constant media and, and social media impacts our views. We are constantly informed, right? Every moment of every day, everywhere you look, you are being informed of every angle about what justice is. And so it's important to acknowledge when we come to this idea of biblical justice, we have as much to unlearn as we have to learn. That's why it's important it's important for us to understand the filters, the filters. In the same way, we have to also understand, listen, we have to understand how the filter of our culture plays into this, how our worldview, where we live, we often bring these filters to the scripture, maybe even unintentionally, rather than allowing the scripture first to speak to us. Culture isn't bad, but we need to be aware of how our culture impacts, impacts our theology. The reality is uh, the culture in which we're living is defined by, by this Western individualism. Here in the Western world, we value individualism in everything that we do. But especially, right, especially in our, our, our spiritual journey, uh, the evangelical church has been defined in the West by individualism that we can have an individual relationship with God. And that's true. And we celebrate that, and that's right. But the problem is, the problem is, sometimes unintentionally we devalue, we devalue how critical it is, not just that our relationship with God should be individual, but it's also corporate, right? We devalue the importance of true biblical community in our theology. Our faith was never intended to only be a personal faith, but also a faith that is deeply rooted in community. And we have to understand that because it changes the way we view. We like to view words of justice, and because of our cultural filter, we view that only through the lens of individualism. But we have to understand how our filter impacts our theology. And so we have to be able to step back and acknowledge that when we pray, Thy kingdom come, we're proclaiming that we're members of His kingdom first. There's nothing wrong with a political affiliation. There's nothing wrong with a cultural affiliation. But I am a Christian first. I'm a member of your kingdom first. I must find my identity there first. That must be my sifter. I keep using that. That's how you sift. Some people are like, what in the world is he doing? That's my sift. That has to be my sifter first. And with that understanding, I think we're now ready to build on a biblical understanding of what it means to act justly. Because remember, remember, these are not separate ideas. These are not separate commands, separate instructions. This is one beautiful description of the kingdom, to act justly. But then what does it say? To love mercy. And if you separate these two, you're not getting a full understanding of what this called a biblical justice and kingdom living is all about. Because now look, look, what did we say? What did we say? Justice. Uh, justice is the, is the mishpat. Mishpat, but now there's another fun Hebrew word. I'm having fun with this, right? Mercy, you know what that word is in the Hebrew? It's kased. And you really, you should spit a little bit when you say that, but I'm not going to, I'm kased, right? That's, and what does that mean? That idea of mercy, that idea, Hebrew word kased, it's, it's this idea of God's unconditional grace and compassion. You see, here's what's happening. Here's what the mishpat, the, the, the word justice there, it's putting the emphasis on the action. But the kased, the mercy, is putting the emphasis on the motivation behind the action. That's why you can't separate these two. We act justly, but we do so with hearts overflowing with mercy and compassion. 
That's the reason. That's the motivation. When we separate these two and we make them two separate things, we lose the heart and the mission behind the kingdom. The justice matters, but it matters as we have hearts overflowing with mercy and compassion. These two are inseparable just in the way that you cannot separate what it means to love God and to love others. You cannot separate what it means to act justly while loving mercy. These two are inter connected because of that the call of the kingdom is to advocate for something that's bigger than just justice in and of itself a call to justice that's rooted in mercy it means acting with compassion and tenderness towards everyone regardless of what we perceive they've done or haven't done this is a higher calling for those of us that thought that loving your neighbor was easy now we're beginning to understand this is a higher calling to act justly but to do so with hearts overflowing with mercy and compassion you can't disconnect these two in the same way we continue to build what does it say to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly what is our posture within the kingdom what is our posture as we do justice justice that's rooted in mercy what is our posture it's a posture of humility remember that was jesus's posture That was the posture of the king. You can't have a kingdom without the king. And what was the posture of the king? We talked about it last week, Philippians chapter 2. He had all the power. He was at the right hand of God. He had it all. And what did he do? He emptied himself. He humbled himself. He made himself nothing, is what Paul says in Philippians 2. That's the posture of the king. And we should take our cue If we're to be citizens of this kingdom, we're to take our cue from the king. This king humbled himself. The most powerful king who ever was and ever would be, he emptied himself. He took up a cross, a literal cross, and calls us to do the same. And so we understand this concept is much bigger than separate ideas. It's a call to act justly with hearts overflowing with mercy while having postures of humility. But don't miss the final words is with your God. All of this, all of this is done in partnership with the God who created us. All of this is done. It's his kingdom. It's not my kingdom. Right? That's why it can't be about my form of justice and my mission. and my No, no, no. All of this is being sourced by the king. It's his kingdom. And so we're called to partner with him in this work. All of it is done with our God. And so there are very important implications that come from this. First, I want you to know today that God's kingdom is not a human kingdom. And maybe you knew that, and maybe you're nodding, maybe you're rolling your eyes. Yeah, we've heard that, we've heard that. But understand, in light of what we've read, in light of what we just unpacked, why that's so important. We have to stop applying modern day examples from our kingdom to a biblical kingdom. We have to stop. No matter what your politics are, we have to stop applying modern day politics to a biblical kingdom perspective. Our biblical perspective should inform our politics and other things, not the other way around. We should be influencers of our culture, not the other way around. That's the call to live in alignment with his kingdom. But next, understand this. This is so important. God's kingdom calls us to a radical, a radical view of loving and generous community. If someone, anyone is hurting 
We see that person as citizens of this kingdom. We see that person as worthy of love. No matter if we agree with what they've done, no matter if we see them uh, as worthy of our love, whatever caused that hurt, no matter if we're responsible for it or not, this kingdom gives us a radical view of generous community. The love of Jesus through us must respond. This is a radical understanding that flies in the face of our kingdom, of the kingdom of this world. We don't get to decide who's worthy of love, who deserves compassion, whom we forgive, not in God's kingdom, not when we say thy kingdom come. There are so many examples throughout scripture that Jesus gives us of the kingdom. At least a dozen different times, he he told these parables, these stories, these heavenly, they had heavenly meanings with just this earthly story. And oftentimes throughout the gospels, Jesus would begin a story and he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. And each week we've been coming back to those words of Jesus to help us understand more clearly what, what is this kingdom all about? Today's story is no different. You you can look it up later. It's in Matthew chapter 20. But Jesus told a story. It goes something like this. The kingdom, the kingdom of God is like a a landowner, a small business owner, right? And and this landowner needed some workers out in his field, out in his vineyard. He, He had work that needed to be done. And so he went out at the beginning of the day and he hired some to work for a day's wage. They agreed upon a day's wage and they went to work. Well, midday comes and the landowner decides he needs more help. So again, he goes out in the middle of the day and he hires more help. Again, later, three o'clock in the afternoon, he goes out again and hires more help. It's five o'clock. He goes again and hires more help. At the end of the day, everyone lines up. Everyone lines up to receive their allotment, their pay. And as he goes down the line, those that have been there first get their full day's wage. But then the landowner does something really, really puzzling. This is Jesus' story, right? Those that showed up at noon, halfway through the day, they receive the same amount that the ones that have been there all day receive. And if that's not puzzling enough, those that showed up at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock receive the full day's wage, the same as those who had worked all day. Now pause the story here for a minute. Pause the story and imagine yourself. Put yourself in the position of those who had worked all day for what you'd been promised. You'd been promised a full day's wage. You did a full day's work. You got what you were promised. Put yourself in their position as they look down the line as the owner goes and pays everyone else the same amount that you got. What would you think in that moment about yourself? I'm being honest. Like, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. You know what I would say in that moment? Well, I earned, I deserved, wait, hold up here. Right? Can can I just, that's what I would be doing. How about you? But what would you be thinking about the others down the line? They didn't deserve. They didn't earn. Right? I'm just being, I'm being honest. I'm being a human, human being today. Nothing, nothing about this is fair or just according to the world's perspective. But that's the entire point of why Jesus tells this story. 
That's the entire point of this kingdom parable. That's the entire reason that Jesus begins to tell us this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Because this is the picture of the kingdom that we get. Every single one got the full day's wage. Can you imagine? Imagine being there that day, that moment, as Jesus tells this story, how radical this seemed. This this radical picture of the kingdom, a king whose justice is bathed in mercy and compassion, right? See, the truth is, we demand justice, don't we? We want what's ours. I'm talking about me now. I I want what's mine, and I'm angry when someone else gets it. I earned it. I deserve it. That's mine, right? The irony, of course, is that in Jesus, we didn't get what we deserved, did we? You say, what are you talking about? The Bible's clear that we we are sinners. You and I, every single one of us are sinners, and because of sin, what, what did we earn? What do we deserve? Well, we deserve death. We deserve the fruit of our sin. And what is the fruit of a life of sinfulness and selfishness? It's, it's death. It's destruction. It's selfishness. That's what I deserve. But that's not what Jesus gave us. Praise the Lord. Jesus didn't give us what we deserved. Right? You see, we all demand justice, except except when it comes to our sin and our brokenness and the debt that we owe because in Jesus the King gave us incredible mercy. Incredible mercy. Love, compassion, and grace. I can't get over in Matthew 20 something Jesus says at the end of the story. It's the, it's the response Again, you put yourself in the position of this story and those that have worked all day, they want, ju- they want what's theirs. I earned, I deserve. And the landowner's response in this story, it's really the response of the father. He, he says this in verse 15 and 16, do I have the right to do what I want with my own money? And then there's this question. He says this, or are you envious because I'm generous? And Jesus said, the last will be first. The first will be last. A beautiful picture of this upside down kingdom. A a beautiful picture of a kingdom that is so different than the kingdom of man, the kingdom of this world. You see, perhaps some of us have truly forgotten what it's like to be a part of his kingdom. Perhaps we've been operating in our kingdom for too long or applying the principles and ideals of an earthly kingdom to a heavenly kingdom. But today, if we say, thy kingdom come, Lord, I want to be, I want to live in alignment with your kingdom, then we're called to a radically different model of what it means to live and to love. See, some of us have forgotten Some of us have forgotten that our God has been so generous to us. We've forgotten, right, right? It's almost as if, it's almost as if I read Micah 6, 8 now differently. It's almost as if I read it, act justly and love mercy and walk humbly because I have been so generous to you. I've been so generous to you. That's what I hear the Lord saying to me. 
Jesus was helping us grasp a kingdom based on radical generosity. A, a biblical justice, but that's rooted in mercy and clothed in humility. Because he has been so generous to you. Today, I want to I pray because some of us today are wrestling with this tension. Some of us are wrestling because we live in a kingdom of this world, but we're called as believers to operate. We're called to a much higher standard, a much higher call. His kingdom, his call. So today, I just want to pray for some of you that you feel disrupted. You, you feel a tension here. You, you feel this pull in, in the confusion. Today, I, I want to invite you. I want to invite you to submit your life. Surrender to God, your kingdom. You're, you're my king, and I want to operate according to your kingdom. Not, not mine. Not my ideas and my principles and the attitudes and thoughts. No, God, I, I want to I belong to a radically different kingdom. Would you, would you help me? Would you forgive me? Would you show me? Would you give me wisdom and discernment? So today, I just want to pray with you. Could you bow your heads with me for just a moment? God, we would admit today that we need wisdom, and you promise us when we, when we need wisdom. You tell us that in the book of James. When we lack wisdom, we can ask, and you give generously without finding fault. And so in these days, Lord, we would beg for wisdom. We would beg for wisdom because we desire we desire to live first in allegiance, in obedience, in surrender to your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life right here on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, some of us, we're wrestling with what that prayer means. We're wrestling with what that prayer calls us to. We're wrestling with what is a life fully devoted and committed to the king to his kingdom, what does that really look like? So Lord, give us courage. Give us courage as you reveal some things in our hearts and our lives that don't please you. Give us courage when we face confusion and we need wisdom, Lord, to surrender and obey and trust you as you give us a radical view. God, because you've been generous. You've been so generous to us. You're a God who, who abounds in love and generosity and grace. And you call us to extend that into a world that is broken. But Lord, we need your help. And we believe when we ask for your help, you, you desire. You desire. We act justly. We love mercy. We, we walk humbly with you, God. With you, we're not, we're not alone in this. You've promised to be with us in ever-present help. And so we, we rely on your strength these days there's a really simple simple song I sing sometimes it's not new it is a little bit catchy for me it's, it's really a prayer some of you didn't know that like what you sing can be a prayer and so as we close today the words of this song were just on my heart it's I have decided to follow Jesus and, and what does that mean when we say Lord thy kingdom come what we're saying is God God it's all about you. It's all about your kingdom. Fix my eyes, Lord, on you. Fix my eyes on the kingdom. So maybe today you want to sing 
with me. Maybe today you want to pray this along with me. Maybe today this is a prayer of surrender, a prayer of obedience, a prayer acknowledging the radical generosity of our God. So maybe today you want to sing this along with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Come on, let's sing that again. If you know it, sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's our prayer, Jesus. It's your kingdom. You're the king. Forgive us, Lord. Lead us. Guide us. We surrender and submit to a kingdom that's not of this world. Teach us, Lord. Give us courage. Help us to obey you and trust you like never before. This world desperately needs to see your kingdom come in our lives and through our lives. So use us. We would pray today. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.